Well, good morning. Welcome to the Christian Church of Vested Park. We're disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus, and I'm grateful that you guys are here today as we continue our series on uh, grasping God's Word. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we started this series, uh, started the year off, beginning with the Bible, and we talked about uh, really what the Bible is. And it's important that we, we grasp that. We recognize that it's a library. It's not just one book, but 66 wonderful books. It's uh, more than that, though. It's our authority as Christians. It actually has the ability to tell us what to do and improves our lives and things like that. And the reason it can be our authority is because we've discovered that it is actually God's Word, <laughs> that God got to reveal that to us. It's a divine message from the Creator of all things to us. And then last week, we talked about how we got the Bible. How did it arrive? It didn't just like the skies didn't just open up and then poof, 66 books came. We realized how the Bible came to us. We realized it is, that it came from real people who lived real lives and real history and going through real circumstances. Now God worked in that crafting the right people at just the right time to be his perfect instrument so he could inspire them. We recognize the Bible then is not just came from people, but it came from history itself and talked about real things. And it was written to real people and real history like you and me. But more than that, it came from a very real God, evidenced by the timeless truths that it contains, evidenced by the, the miracles and, as well as the, uh, the prophecies that were fulfilled, showing the, the fingerprints of, of a divine God who is beyond time. We can recognize that this is true, but also evidenced by its ability and its to, to transform us and change us from the inside out. And how so many of us can even testify to how the Word of God is actually doing that transformation inside of us it is God's Word and is powerful. Today we continue that. We're going to talk about then how do we use the Bible? How is it applied? How is it supposed to be used? And so uh, that would be an important thing because we want to make sure that we use it correctly. Before we do that, however, uh, we want to, of course, go through our Bible memory verse. And yes, this series, we're doing something weird. I'm, I'm memorizing scripture just a little different for this series than we have in the past. And so if it's your first time with us through this series, just uh, stick along with us. You'll, you'll be so happy you did. Uh, but we have some images that we're using to kind of remember God's word. And they're on different places in the stage. Okay. And so we're going to begin over here and we see what is here. Not just one scripture, all of the scriptures, right? And all the scriptures, they're painting these fantastic paintings, right? And they're being inspired by God as they're doing these paintings, right? And what does that remind us of? All Scripture is inspired by God. See? So easy. Very good. So we get that. So if you can, in your mind, picture all of the Bibles here, all doing that painting, being inspired by God. Then we go over here by this doorway. And who do we find by that doorway? But a very handy handyman. In fact, six hands. That's how handy he is. And he's making, and he's making this true Right? He's making sure that the, that the door jam is straight up and down. It's true. And he's doing a really good job, but he's working really hard. And so what is he doing? He's drinking juice. Just lots of juice. How much juice? It's coming out of his ears, right? He's got juice coming out. He's full of juice. He is a juice-full handyman. And then he turns around and he sees us all sitting here. And we all got our little hats on, right? Our, our learning uh, studious hats. And he puts on his professoral hat. And he teaches us then. He's teaching us how to make sure things are true. He says, what is true? What is true? Right? So he's teaching us that. So he's right there. And so that reminds us of and teaches us what is true. Ah, that's so good. And it's useful. That's right. And useful. And useful to teach us what is true. That's why I put the juice in there. Okay. 
So we have, right here, we have all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. Do you see how this works? Okay, so over here by the drum set, we have our buddy there, a Geppetto from Pinocchio, and he's beginning to make Pinocchio a real boy. And he starts with two real eyes, and he says, I made you real eyes. Yeah, and that reminds us of the Word of God where it says, and makes us realize. Ah, so good. So, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize, right? And then over here, they have the, um, the big um, billboard, and the billboard is spelled wrong. It says, our lives matter, but it's spelled wrong, which, of course, makes the grammar Nazi upset. So he comes out, boom, kicks down the door with his big old uh, his dictionary under his arm, and he says, what is wrong in our lives? Right there. You can picture that, that dude right there, which reminds us of the next verse in there, which is, and what is wrong in our lives, which is easy because that's all in his accent. What is wrong in our lives? Okay, so all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. My favorite one right here at the corner of the stage, we have Elvis Presley singing the national anthem, but he sings it wrong. And so the... Uh, the clown from it comes to correct him, and he does it in his best Donald Trump impersonation. He says, wrong, right? Which reminds us of the Word of God, which says, it corrects us when we are wrong. Get it? Because he's the it. Uh, yeah, okay. There. It corrects us when we're wrong. Okay, so all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives? It corrects us when we are wrong. Okay? And then right here, we have the teacher, right? And the teacher's teaching us all how to do a to-do list. How we divide it into two parts, and she tells us then to X out everything on the left. She writes on the board, do what is right. So that's how we're going to do it, which reminds us of God's word that says, and teaches us to do what is right. Okay, so we have... All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And of course, we want to make remember where this came from. So we think right here on the stage, here's the finish line. Okay, in the finish line, we have two twins that are running the race, right? And they're and they have mouths that are made of clocks. We call them time mouthies, right? And we don't care about the first one. It's the second twin, the one that's coming in second. That's what we care about anyhow, right? So the second time mouthy. And then we have these three 16-year-old girls that got lost. They're in the car. They're going to come in second, right? Behind them, right? So we had the, and uh, they, they were so happy taking out the car for the first time. They wrote their age right on the side of the car, 16, like woo, right? So we have two time mouthies and three 16-year-old girls, which reminds us of Second Timothy 3.16. All right, so let's see if we can do it. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Second Timothy 3.16. Oh, 
very good. You guys are awesome. Now, that's an interesting way of, of memorizing Scripture, and hopefully for some of you it's engaging. We've, usually I teach you a different method. But I would encourage you for the next week, just walk through the stage once a day and stop at each of these spaces, right? If you can uh, visualize it, it makes it easier. And if my images aren't weird enough, make them weirder because the weirder it is, the more you're going to memorize it, right? The more it's going to come back to you. But as you do that, after you know what it says, I want you to think about what it means. What does it mean? Of course, then how does it apply? into our lives. And so the Word of God is a very powerful thing. And so as you go through it, really think about this. It's not just that the Word of God is just this book that's supposed to be out there. It's, it's useful, right? It comes to us from God. It's something special and amazing. And it's not just to be this holy book that sits on a, on a, on a special place in our house. It's useful. It has utility. God gave it to us for a reason. And that utility is to teach us what is true, which, knows, which means that most of us, all of us, don't know absolutely all truth. Do you know all truth? No, we need to taught, right? Which is wonderful. It takes the pressure off, right? The idea that we're supposed to just know everything. We don't. God helped us. He gave us inspiration, the word, so that we could learn what is true. But there's a purpose to know what is true. Think about that. Right? It's not that God just wants us to know something out there. Think about it. You went to, a lot of us went to school, right, for a while? And most of the things that we went to school, we learned stuff that was out there, but it, but it, it stayed there, didn't it? Like if you asked me to do trigonometry today, ain't going to happen. Okay? I learned it. I got an A in it, right? But I can't remember. I mean, I can't even spell it probably now, right? And so I learned something, but it didn't stay. Why? Because it was a concept that was out there. The word of God isn't just, God's not just telling us this is truth. It's to help us realize something. To open our eyes to something. What? What is wrong in our lives? Isn't it wonderful that God's there to help us, not just to pat us on the back and say, hey, you're doing great while we blindly walk off cliffs? Like when, we, when our lives are falling apart, we're having difficulty in our relationships and our finances and our work and all of those other things. God's word helps us. It's designed, it's utility, it's to make us realize what's wrong in my life. And so as we read God's word, is it helping you? If you're not coming to the word and coming across and having something that's offending you and saying, hey, uh, there's something broken here, then, then maybe we're reading it wrong. <laughs> But as we read it, it shows us what is wrong. We're like the people that have, you know, that ate the sandwich, had the mustard on our face, right? And then we walk up into the mirror and we see mustard on our face and we're like, oh, now I see why people laugh at me, right? And then we can, but it's not just that it shows us that, it does something even better. God's word isn't there just to make us feel guilty. You see, oftentimes, I think we think we stop here and we, we think of God's words just like the grammar Nazi. This is wrong in our lives, right? We feel the conviction, but it doesn't stay there. It goes on and it corrects us when we're wrong. It tells us, hey, this is the way. It doesn't just tell you you're bad. It says, hey, this is what's wrong and here's how we can correct it. Isn't that great? And more than that, it doesn't just point the path to what is right. It teaches us. It shows us how to do it. Have you ever gone to a, like when I talk about math, high school math was hard for me. Now, I loved math, but I had a very difficult teacher who would show us on the board how to do math correctly. And we would ask her, I don't get it. 
I did my math problems wrong, and she would be very good at showing me where I got it wrong. This is what you did wrong. Okay, I'm stupid. I get it. I got it wrong. How do I do it right? And then she would just do it right, but didn't show me how. And guess what? I still don't know how. God's word is in that way. It doesn't just correct us when we are wrong. It actually is like the great teacher who goes through and explains it to you step by step so we know how to do it so you can succeed in doing what is true and what is right. God's word is powerful. It's wonderful. I'll tell you, this week, take some time with God's word. Memorize this. But think about what it means for you and how you apply it. In fact, that's really what we're talking about today is how do you do that? How do you use God's word? How do we use the Bible? The Bible is a powerful thing. Last night, uh, I got a call. I took Amy out on a date, and it was great because Thomas was out at a buddy's house. Uh, and so I was like, woohoo, take my wife out on a date. So we went out, and we were at a restaurant, and I got a call from the hospital. And a sweet little gal, been walking with the Lord for, gen- for, for uh, decades, was ready to go home and see Jesus. And her pastor was sick, so he couldn't go, so I got to go. What a privilege. Isn't that awesome? So I got to go in and sit down with her and, and pray with her. And you know what the thing that she wanted more than anything? She wanted me to read the word of God to her. And she said, I said, I'll read What would you like me to read? She said, I would like you to read the book of Hebrews. Not a passage. The book of Hebrews. How amazing is that? So I got to sit and read her the book of Hebrews. And the truths there is. And to see how it calmed her and readied her. Brought peace into the midst of this right? And all the physical pain and all the other parts that come into death, how the word of God was able to come and to bring was just like a, one of those wonderful warm blankets just into the room. The word of God is a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. In fact, the word of God even tells us, and as I was reading Hebrews, it reminded me in that book that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It can Divide both bone and marrow. It it can slice things up really good. It is a powerful thing. And it is. Because it's a powerful thing and because it is very, very strong, we have to use it correctly. So the Word of God in the right hands is an amazing tool, but in the wrong hands, it is a deadly, deadly weapon. I think sometimes we... We fear the word of God because we see how strong it is. We've seen it misused. I think some of us that are here even bear scars where people have used it wrongly and have cut us up. We want to use this. We have to learn how. When I was first learning how to cook, I had knives and I wasn't using them correctly and I cut my finger really bad. Now, was it the knife's fault? No. No, no. It's that I didn't, I didn't hold the knife right. I didn't use it right. I was being foolish. I just kind of came in. It's like, I know how to cook. Chop, 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 chop. <laughs> right? How we use it is important. It is powerful. And that makes us intimidated by it, but we don't have to be. And so today we're going to talk about how we can use the Bible correctly. 
Not to misuse it, not to abuse it, not to slice other people up with it, but that we can use the Bible in a right way so it can do what it's supposed to do. And so how do we do that? Well, this morning we're talk about three, just three basic essentials of how you can use the Bible correctly. Very simple things, good things. And the first one is, if you want to use the Bible correctly, you've got to get a grip, a good grip, Okay. And so think about it, like when I was learning how to golf, and I'm still horrible, but one of the first things I learned is that you ha- how you grip your club matters, okay? And I apparently grip it wrong just naturally, right? They're like, no, that's, that's the side you're supposed to swing with, Aaron. You know, you turn it around, right? You have to hold it correctly. When I learned how to cook, right, I took my classes so I wouldn't slice my fingers anymore. I took knife skills courses, which just sounds awesome. Like, I got knife skills, right? Take that Napoleon dynamite. So anyway, I got my knife skills. Uh, first thing, first lesson, how do you grip the knife? Make it good, right? Um, uh, Some guys took me out to go shooting um, uh, skeet. Oh, that's fun. I didn't know shooting could be fun, but it was fun. Apparently, how you grip the gun matters. Otherwise, bam, it hurts you, right? So if you grip it right, it matters. How we grip things matter, right? How you get a handle on something. And so let's use that uh, as an analogy for you. So we got your five most, we all have hands? Okay, so let's use our hands as a way to, as a way of reminding how we grip the Bible. And so this is going to be something that hopefully you can take with you because I don't leave your hands here. Okay, the first thing that we do to get a grip on the God's word is we have to hear it. We have to hear God's word. It's the very first thing we see in scripture, that faith comes by hearing, hearing with the word of God. What this means is that you hear the word of God, it's like when you come to church, right? God uh, it says in Scripture that He provides the body, that's you, the, His family, the flock, pastors and shepherds, right? To come and we can rightly divide the Word of God. Help us to, so you can hear it and understand it. We come together as a community to do that, right? So we need to hear the Word of God. It's one of the things why church is so important. It's why in Hebrews it says, even if you have all kinds of horrible persecution and you'll probably die if you go to church, which isn't that bad yet, right? But even if it's that bad, don't neglect coming together because it's so important that we hear the word. It's one of the most important things we get to do on Sunday. We start the week by hearing the word. And so this is what we do. We come together and we hear it. And so we have to start there. And if we don't do that, then really everything else after that is uh, we can misapply God's word. We can, uh, we can hear it on our own, like we can begin to read it and all this kind of stuff, but without any, the, the community to help us, sometimes we get crazy interpretations and bad things, and that's where the word of God gets out of whack. We have to come together and hear it. And so hearing the word of God, when you come here, one of the things I'm trying to do is whet your appetite. When you hear the word of God, it's to make you hungry for more. It's like when you go to a nice restaurant, and they give you like a moosh bouche, like the, uh, the chef comes out and gives you like a little tiny tasty thing. Right? Not enough, not really an appetizer, not enough to really begin to sad, but enough to make you think, mmm, I can't wait for what's next, for what's to come. That should be Sunday. That should be when you come here. This is not the meal. Right? This is us coming together, getting the word of God, hearing it. It, it begins to let us know the word of God is powerful, it's good, makes us want to interact with it. It's great stuff. But how silly would it be if you went to a restaurant and you had just the appetizer and you said, I'm good till next week. Can you imagine if we did that? We'd all be much, much, much thinner. We'd, we'd all be dead, actually. We'd starve to death. That's what would happen to us. We'd all be dead. Not enough nourishment. I cannot feed you everything. The Word of God says I'm a shepherd. Shepherds don't shove grass into the sheep's mouths. 
Okay? I give you treats, I help you, but I take you to the fields and you need to eat, right? So that takes us to our next thing. We want to hear God's word, but that's not all. We also have to read God's word. Okay? So think about it. If I, if I had the Bible as a sword, like it calls itself, and I just want to go to battle, and I just hear God's word, I just come to church on Sunday, it's like I'm going in and I just have one pinky grasp on it. Right? I got it. But am I going to be really effective with this? Say you were going to have surgery and you go in and your surgeon goes and grabs the scalpel with his pinky. Let's do this brain surgery, right? You come out thinking you're a duck, okay? It'd be bad. He'd misuse it. So we can't go to God's word and say, I've heard it. It's enough. When we do that, the enemy comes along and knocks it right out of our hands, which happens a lot, right? Or we misuse it and it cuts us and bad kind of things. So hearing's good, but we have to take the next step. We have to read. Reading allows us to get that next finger, that next bit of grip, Reading most often is reading, okay? You're actually opening the word and reading through it. Now, I get it. Some of us, now we live in the, in the era of modern miracles and technology, and you can listen to God's word. You can actually listen to Scripture. That's fine. That counts. But for most of history, that wasn't there, right? Reading the word is actually interacting with the word of God as it is, right? Not just hearing me preach about it, but you going through it. And so you need to hear the word of God for yourself. You need to feed on it daily. Right? As you read God's word in its entirety, as you begin to go through it, what that does is it helps keep you healthy. Word of God says it's like uh, food for our souls. That's what it talks about. And can you imagine if you were going to go into a, a, a competition or something like that and you starved yourself, you would be lethargic, not good. But we're in the midst of, of the battle of our lives this world is not easy. I don't know if you've recognized, but there's some hard things in it. We can't be malnourished. God's given us the energy, exactly what we need. We need to feed ourselves on God's word. We need to, to go to it and actually read it for ourselves. And so you'll notice every single week as I preach on a passage, we go to the word and I'll say, hey, why don't you read the rest of the passage, right? Read it. That's what we need to do. And that gives us a little better grip, but we can't stop there. The next part is to study. We have to study God's word. And to study God's word, is, is, it means that I'm taking God's word, I'm going to read it, and you have to read it so you get it all in context. But then you take different portions, different passages, you start to go through the books, and you actually start to, to dig into it. And studying is, is like, it's like if you bought a, a, a piece of property that had a gold mine on it. Can you imagine and, and there was gold and diamonds that were in what was on the property, in the rocks. Think how cool that would be. Would you go dig for the gold and the diamonds? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is great value, right? But mining is hard work. You can't just show up on the property and put your tent up there and be like, all right, bring in the gold. No, you have to go and search for the treasure. But wouldn't you be motivated to search for the treasure if you knew it's there? The Word of God contains great treasure for us, great riches. In fact, it says it's more valuable than any riches possible. We have to be able to dig into it and to see what it actually has to say. Now, this study teaches, goes, helps us go back and discover who wrote the Bible and why they were writing, gives us that context. Sometimes we do word studies that illuminate different truths, deeper truths, and maybe we got just on our first initial just reading through it. We get to learn from those who have walked on our, the footsteps of faith before us, right? That's oftentimes like really good commentaries and study Bibles. 
Now, there are other people that have gone through and say, hey, let me show you all the great things that, that the Word of God has. When we go to life group and we go to these Bible studies, right, we get into God's Word and we, we drill down into it and it takes effort, doesn't it? But we discover great things, incredible treasures. And that's why we need to study. If we don't study God's Word, it's like we bought the property, somebody deeded us a gold mine, and we miss out the best part. <laughs> Didn't get the gold. So we study God's word. Now, these three things give us a good grip on it, but we have to remember that we need all three fingers. There are a lot of people who read God's word, study God's word, but they're not part of a church family. And they've gone out and they've created all kinds of havoc amongst the church. Right? They have these two fingers on it and they start swinging the Bible at God's people or at the wrong things. Because they, they haven't heard it, they don't have the context, they don't have the community and the love of the community that puts the word into great context. But then oftentimes you have people that are here but don't read and study. Right? They, they, they're here, but they don't really know what it says. Don't take my word for it. Right? Go and, and read the word yourself. Know what it says. Let it work in your life. Do your study yourself as well. We have to have all three. And as we have all three, then we get to, I think, more of the fun parts, and that's memorizing God's word. That's the, the next one. As we memorize God's word, it's like tattoos it onto our soul. It's an amazing thing. When God's word becomes part of us. And so we know what it says. And think about this, that, that uh, throughout time, throughout history, there are times that Christians lost access to scriptures through persecution or other types of things. They just weren't able to have access, but they were still able to live according to the truth because guess what? It was on their heart and lives. But here's the amazing thing is that all of us, we don't have access to Scripture 24-7. I mean, you have your smartphone. I know we're in the age of modern miracles, right? And you have your Bible on there, but what if you don't have cell service? Or what if it's awkward when you're talking to somebody say, well, let me pull up my Bible app and see what God has to say. If you don't know what it says... When you begin to memorize God's word, it becomes part of you. It's part of your tool belt. It's something that you can use immediately. But better than that, it's something that God can use on you in just the right time. As you memorize God's word, it's available, it's active, it's right there. And so, say something happens, all of a sudden, God's word is there to help guide you through it. My first book of Bible that I memorized was 1 John. I did it when I was in college, my freshman year of college, and I found a buddy. And we came up with this way of memorizing scripture that was really very inefficient, but we did it, right? Because we had a lot of energy and a lot more time, so we just did it. And, but it was amazing. As I memorized God's word, everywhere I looked, I saw God's word active. Actually, I saw it lived out before me. And it wasn't though the truths of God's word weren't always there. I just couldn't see it. I didn't know. But as I started to see God's word out there actively working in the world and in my life, it built my faith in an enormous way. Right? And so what I was doing is I would learn something in, in class and then all of a sudden scripture would come alive and be like, boom, and gave me a better context, a better framework to understand what I was learning. Or I'd have a conversation with a friend or I was on my football team and uh, like the coach would tell us to do something. I'd see God's word come alive in my life and gave purpose and meaning to, to seemingly trivial and insignificant things. It was powerful. Memorizing God's scripture has been one of the most life-transforming things I've ever done. This was something that all Christians it's part of what we're supposed to do as disciples of Jesus. Being a disciple means we follow Jesus and his example and what he did. Did Jesus know scripture? 
Did he have it memorized? Yes. Yes, he did. How do we know that? Well, he wrote it, for starters. That helps. He inspired it. But more than that, when he was tempted, when the devil came, and the devil can use scripture, right? Because it's powerful, and he can use it wrongly to slice up believers, and he does oftentimes do that. Jesus countered. He was like, aha, you use scripture against me, oh devil. Well, you did not know that I'm actually left-handed, right? And he's, princess bride, I'm sorry. So, he was able to use it, but he was able to say, it is written. He didn't have a scroll. He's able to whip out and say, well, I know it's in here somewhere. It's like, ah, it is written. Many times in Jesus' teachings, he would talk about the prophet said this or did that. He knew it. And how about the apostles? Did they know God's word? Did they have it memorized? Oh, yeah. Uh, read their, their books. Remember that before we had this beautiful thing called a codex, a Bible like this, a book, we had scrolls. And it was a lot, of ex, a lot of energy and expense to go and have scrolls, right? They couldn't just whip it out. Oftentimes they were prison, things like that, didn't have all their stuff. So how did they write in reference back to Scripture? Well, it was already imprinted on their hearts. They knew it. It was part of who they were. And so they didn't have to ask. And the nice thing about that is that because of that, when somebody would talk about something, they had the whole context of all the Scripture that they were able to filter through instantly. Memorizing Scripture is powerful, powerful. See, memorizing Scripture prepares us for life. It prepares us for the battle, right? It allows us to take this, this, conceptual, this book that's outside and make it inside of us, put it part of our soul, makes it part of who we are. And so we're able to handle life. And so we need to take time to memorize Scripture. And there's a lot of fun ways that we talk about how we do that. Every single series, we have a portion of Scripture that you get to memorize, we get to memorize together. Something that we need to do. And as we do these four, we're getting a pretty good grip on the word. Okay? But we're still not there. There's some other things that we need to do on this. The next thing we need to do is we, we need to meditate on God's word. And I know that seems like a very spiritually word, right? And, it's, and I'll tell you, that word has been hijacked by other faiths who apply their way of meditation into this that are very dangerous. So Christian meditation is not emptying ourselves out. You can do that. By the way, you can practice meditation and empty yourself out. The problem is if you empty yourself, uh, nature abhors a vacuum, supernatural abhors a vacuum as well. Something's going to fill you up, right? And you don't get to choose because you're, you're focusing on emptying yourself, right? <laughs> Which is not great. A better way is to choose what you get filled with. And so we meditate on God's word, which means we fill our mind with God's word. We're supposed to meditate on it day and night, which means we think about it day and night. That's the method of how we're supposed to do this. So ever since the very beginning of our faith, right, we've seen, and you can read the writings of those who came before us, the early church fathers and, and the apostles and all that. How do they meditate on God's word? It's not hard. It's actually very, very simple. You, you ask yourself as you read it, after you read it, you say, what did I just read? What did it say? If you can't tell yourself what it said, then probably your eyes crossed over it, right? The words went into your brain and then went into the ether and did you no good. So if you're reading it and you know in advance, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to ask myself, there's going to be a quiz. What did this say? Guess what? You're going to remember more. Yay, you're welcome. So as you go in, ask yourself, what did I just read? Well, I just read that, you know, Jesus had his talk with, with his apostles, 
And he said some things about how he's really important and how the rest of the world is not nearly as important. Ah, right? That's, you can say that, right? Or I read this thing about how God was going to judge the earth, right? And there's going to be an ark and a flood. And there's this old dude named Noah and he wants to build a boat, right? It's, it's, it's that simple. What did it say? The second thing, what does it mean? If we stop at what does it say, then we've kind of missed some of the better things. As you begin to think about it, and sometimes it takes time. Oftentimes when I do my, my daily Bible reading, I'll read something and I'll say, what did it say? And I can say, well, in my own words, it said this, right? This kind of what it said. What does it mean? And my first impression of what it means, I'll say, okay, I think it means this. But throughout the day, as I'm thinking about it, God's word becomes more and more, like the meaning begins to, to show up. You remember those uh, in the 90s, those of you who were old enough, they had those 3D puzzles that you look at, it looks like a bunch of dots on a page. And if you stared at it till your eyes crossed, then you could see like a 3D picture come out. Yeah, if you've ever never seen one of those, they're weird. But totally go, go to an old museum or something. Check one of that. So it's like that. You're looking intently into the word of God, and eventually its meaning begins to come out at you. So for example, we have this uh, Bible, this thing that we've memorized, right? This, uh, that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful, to teach us what is true, right? So as I've been meditating on that these last couple weeks, all of a sudden, some meaning has come out that God has showed me. One of the things that I saw this meaning is, is that uh, God's word is to be applied inside. See, I, I recognize why has it been abused when, when the word of God is used like a sword to just slash other people? It's because look at what it's supposed to say. It's make us realize what's wrong in our lives. To teach us to do what is right. So I, I was using the word of God just like a sword out there to everybody else, but really it's supposed to be a scalpel that's used in here. Wasn't that a great thing? Like, what does it mean? That was awesome. I was like, whoa, God, thank you. Because I was starting at that time, I needed that because I was starting to get real judgmental, right? I was looking at the world the way it is and all the crazy stuff that's happening, and I was just like, oh, people need the word. They just knew the word of God. I want to slash them with it, right? And then I realized, oh, wait. I need to, I need grace. I need God's truth. I need to have a heart for those that are lost like Jesus has. And the word of God started to do its surgery on my own life. I had to ask, what does it mean? Not just what it says. <coughs> right? And that leads us to, as we meditate on God's word, the last question we ask in meditation is this, how does it apply? How do I make it alive in my life? Right? That, that, that's the, the threefold question of the meditation. What does it mean? <laughs> right? What does it say? What does it mean? How does it apply? That's all it is. It's very simple stuff. But if we never get to the application, we have wasted it. I was like early on, like talk about kitchen knives, because I'm on a kitchen knife kick today. Um, and I did slice myself early on when I got knives, because I had lousy knives too, and I didn't know how to use them. And after I got good with lousy knives, I wanted good knives. And my lovely wife, she helped me get really good kitchen knives, and they were fantastic. And my other knives were lousy, and they were dull and bad, and they, they had an awful wood handle that made my fingers feel like they just needed lotion every time I touched them. It was awful, right? So we went and got new knives, and I sharpened them, and I took the classes. So I have knife skills now and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? At some point, I had to take those new knives out of the box and start using them. If I had the best knives in the world, they just sat on the counter, and all pristine and beautiful, I never used them. I missed the point. And so did my food. Right? So here's the deal. We have to apply God's word. 
If you're reading God's Word, you're doing all this, you're hearing it, you're reading, you're studying, you're memorizing, you're meditating on it, you're like, Lord, I see all of these things that you want me to do, and I'm not going to do one of them. (laughs) You're leaving the knives on the counter. You're not really grasping God's Word. You're not using what it's meant to do. It's not changing you. It's not teaching you how to do what is right. And remember, part of that is to do what is right. There's an action word. There's obedience matters. It's what, where the change is, where the power is, where the joy is. If it's not changing us, we've missed the point. We're not doing anything with it. Apply it. But don't jump to application. Hear God's word first. Get the community and the context. Make sure that what we're learning and understanding is actually right. Read it for yourself so you know what it says and you get the whole big picture, right? Then study, do some of those things. Get into a life group. Get into a Bible study. Read a commentary or a study Bible. Get to studying it deeply yourself. Take time in memorizing God's word. Think about what it says, what it means, how it applies. And as it does, as it shows you what is wrong in your lives, and as it corrects you, then start to practice it. But do what is right. It's going to change how you live in a profound and wonderful, wonderful way. I gave you an example. I told you I was getting hard and and judgmental and frustrated because the world the way it is, right? And And then we have this passage that we're memorizing as a church, a passage that I memorized years and years ago. But I'm thinking about it. I'm meditating on it. I'm memorizing. I'm doing all of that. And God said, Aaron, you're, the word of God needs to do work in your heart. You know what it did is it gave me the capacity to show real, genuine kindness to my neighbors, some of whom don't see the world the way that I do. To actually pray for them and to be kind to them, genuinely kind to them. Because I said to God, I, my heart is wrong. I want you to give me your heart for the lost, and I don't have that right now, so help me to have that. And so doing, it changed how I live. That's the way the Word of God works. If you want to apply God's Word correctly, you have to start by getting a good grip. How do you do that? Two things. The first thing you need to do to get a good grip is this, is you need to get a plan. Some of you are waiting for me to finish because you want to go watch your favorite football team. I know that because I'm recording it. So I don't care how long I talk. (laughs) But here's the thing. You're going to go watch some excellent world-class athletes that are going to be on the field. Did any one of those athletes get there just by just being awesome? No, they had to practice, didn't they? In fact, when they got when they got into the sport, they had to have a plan. They're like, I want to be part of a team, which means I have to do these things. I got to lift. I got to learn how it all works. I got to learn the playbook, all of that kind of stuff. I got to get together. I got to practice. I got to do the reps. I got to do all those things. They had a plan. It's not like the coach just said, hey, you look like a big dude. Why don't we just show up on Sunday and play these guys? They get destroyed. If you want to be able to handle the word of God accurately, you got to do the work. I had to take a class on knife skills. I had to learn how to do it. When I learned golfing, I have lessons, which I just probably drive my instructor to drink, right? But, but <laughs> I'm God's gift of, of, of chastisement for him, I think. He's just, but I have to learn how to do it. I have to do the reps. I gotta, how do I grip the club and do the swings until it, it becomes natural? I just can't become good just naturally. I have to have a plan. 
It is the very same way with getting a grip on God's word. It's not just going to happen. It's not just because you show up at church or because you're a Christian, you're naturally just going to be great. We have to have a plan to, in order to engage with God's word. And so this is what we want to do to help you with that. So the plan is, you want to read it correctly. Remember, it's 66 books. Read it like they're books. Please do not ever do this. Lord, what do you have for me? And I will make an alliance with the king of the south. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What does that mean for me? Nothing right now. How do I apply that? I don't, can't. If I want to know God's word, I got to read God's, Like, If I want to know what you're saying, I can't come in the middle of the conversation and just hear a few words and then say, oh, that's what he said. Right? I have to read, understand in context what God is saying. So start with the beginning of the book and read the whole book. From beginning to end, like it starts, like it's supposed to be. Read it in context. And as you do that, check your aim. That's A-I-M. The, check what the author's intended meaning is. Because this is communication. God is the one who made communication. And what is communication? Me putting an idea into your head. And you putting an idea into my head. Right? And how do we do that? Well, we use language and all kinds of other kind of cool code. And if we can decipher it, right, then, then we can communicate right? Which is really good. And if I have, say like I say light bulb, and now in your head you have a picture of a light bulb in your mind, how did that happen? Light bulb doesn't appear. So I had an idea and I put it into code and you decoded it, poo, into your head. Oh, there's a light bulb and we had communication. Well, let's just say that I wasn't talking about an incandescent thing that glows. Let's say I was talking about a friend that I had in college whose nickname was light bulb, Right? Just because you heard a light bulb and what was in my head is not in yours, we have a miscommunication, don't we? Because if I started saying, man, that light bulb was really dim, that you get a different idea. Right? If I say, well, that light bulb, he's, he's broken. And you're like, a he? What gives you, why is a light bulb a he? And what do you mean he's broken? And where? And I like to get light bulb plugged in, right? It makes weird stuff. And we start miscommunicating. The question is not what do you hear, but what did I say? That's what matters in communication. That's why couples, when they get into fights, sometimes they get into the stupidest fights. Uh, one of the spouses will say one thing, and the other spouse will be like, I'm so offended. And you're like, why? Because you said this. And the, and the other person will say, I didn't say that. That's not what I meant. Like, well, that's what I heard. Well, who cares what you heard? That's not what I said. If you want to know what God has to say, listen to what he's saying, not what you want to hear. And how do you do that? Ask yourself what the author's intended meaning. Remember, God chose the authors to write in real time in history about real things. And if you want to know what God is saying, know what he's talking about. So don't read the God's word and say, what is it? What do I hear? Ask, what was the author's intended meaning? Hear God for what he's actually saying. And as you do that, as you say, what does it say? What was the author's intended meaning? What does it say? Then you can ask yourself, what does it mean? And how does it apply? A way to be able to do that then, to apply that kind of plan as you read God's word one book at a time, there is a thing that we're doing as a church called uh, the Read Scripture app, which is a great tool that gives you a plan to be able to work into God's word. In that app, you're going to have videos and things help put things in context. It's a, it's a, it'll remind you every day, hey, let's read God's word. It'll tell you this is where he wants you to go, right? And so you can read it in order and you have a good plan. So it kind of keeps you on track and all those types of things. It's a good plan. It's, it's a good thing. If you don't like doing technology, then let us know. We will help you come up with a plan. There's lots of ways to do it, but have a plan to be able to engage in God's word so that you can re- read it book by book from beginning to end and so you can know what it says.
And if you don't have a plan, it's not going to happen. Third thing that you need to do as you have a plan, you need to make a habit. You have to get a habit. Habits are important because if we don't get the habit of doing what is right, we, ha- we stay with the habits of doing what is wrong. So here's a little uh, bit of wisdom for you, something that was uh, a shocker when I discovered it, is I use every second of every day. Like, I've never come to the end of my day and had extra time. Never. I'm already filling all of my time, and I'm doing something all of that time. Sometimes I'm doing stupid things, like you're sitting there, right? But I'm using all of my time. I have habits that are taking up all of my time. And so if you want to build a habit of doing something better, you have to replace old habits that you were doing bad things, right? So we don't ever just create new habits. You want to put a habit of reading the word of God and getting into it? You have to create, you have to to replace something that's already in your life, a habit that's already there, time that's already being spent. And I want you to think about that. The worst thing you could ever say is, I'll do that when I find time. That is ridiculous. Have you ever been walking down the street and you're like, hey, look, five minutes. (laughs) Somebody dropped it out of their book. No, you you have to make this space. You have to replace what you're already doing with something better. And if you want some help with that, we did a series on this not very long ago, Worshiping God with All of Our Time. How do we do that? Well, there's some tools in there, and I'd be happy to help you with that. But, but to create a schedule and to learn how do you replace. But if you want to put God's word into your life, there's something else that's going to have to be rotated out. And as you do that, recognize that it's going to take some effort. It's going to be uncomfortable for a while. Right? It's like if you're bending metal, oftentimes like you start to bend. It's kind of springy, and you start to bend it, and you bend it, you're putting a lot of effort into it, and then what happens? It springs back into its old shape, right? And you bend it again, and it's like that when we're creating new habits. You're already doing something, and so you're changing how you live, and it takes effort and effort and effort, and then if you stop, what happens? It goes, and life goes right back to where it was before. But if you slowly and consistently continue to apply enough pressure, enough change, then eventually your life will conform into a new way. And then it doesn't take any pressure, and it just stays. That's the new habit, and that's what a habit is. And now when you have a new habit, then when things happen in your life that kind of pull you off course, Pretty quickly, you can snap back into doing what is right. That's the power of habits. And God designed us for that. And he says, I want you to build this habit of meeting with me daily, of hearing my word and applying it. And so at first, if it's not part of your life, then yeah, it's going to take some effort. But keep applying it. And eventually, it'll become just second nature. It will become easy. So at first, don't let the enemy or the devil yourself tell you, this is too hard. Yes, it's hard for a while, but it will get easy. And eventually become part of you. In fact, it'll be something that you'll be have healthy habits in your life that'll be really hard to change. And why would you want to? So, today we talked about God's Word and how we use it correctly. It's so important that we get to use it correctly. Finally, we have to start by getting a good grip. We begin by hearing God's Word, right? And reading God's Word. And that includes, yes, our audio Bible, so don't get all weird on me, right? But then we have to study God's Word. Right? And, and as we study God's word, we can memorize it and meditate on it, and we get that application. If we do this, we will have the ability to use God's word accurately. And so we need to get a plan, build habits in order to do that. And so this is what we are here to help you with. And so next week, we're going to talk about then not only how we use God's word, but why we need it. Why would you do the effort to make all of these changes and all of those things? If you're not compelled to, we're going to talk next week why the Bible is so essential for us, so essential, and it'll be very encouraging. So I encourage you to come back for that.
But today, application. I always like to finish my messages with a little bit of application. So on your connection card, the back side, you'll notice there are some things that you can do, just little next steps to begin to apply God's word into your life. And so the thing maybe that you want to do this week is to memorize 2 Timothy 3.16. I've memorized this for years, and this week God gave me an an illumination, an idea, a a meaning for it. Spend some time with it. Say, this week, I'm going to memorize God's word. And you can just walk around this stage in your mind and think about all the silly images and all that, but think about what it means. Memorize it. Or maybe this week you say this, I'm going to read the Bible. Do it. It's great. And join us. If you say, listen, we want to do the Bible app, do that. And recognize it's going to take some effort at first, but it will become easier over time. But there's a great plan for you. Or maybe this, maybe you need to repent and receive forgiveness. Why did I put that in there? Because the purpose of God's word is to show us what's wrong in our lives. Right? So it can correct us so we can do what is right. You know what that process is called? Repentance. I recognize that something's wrong. I need, need to do something better. And I know how, and now I'm going to do it. <laughs> that is the right application of God's word. And so if there is something that God's word is bringing conviction in your life, you recognize this is wrong, don't turn that off. God is doing it. The Bible's working. It's doing something great for you. The best is, is right there. So my encouragement for you is then to do it, to repent, and to take that next step of application. Do it. And let me pray for you as you do. Or maybe this next one is for you, is to start a quiet time. To just, in your daily schedule, Make time for God and his word. And if you need to help with that, we've got a whole series on it. You're welcome to go to funchurch.com, look at our stuff, or come talk with me and I'll help you do that. But say, this is what we're gonna do. Start a quiet time. All right, so hopefully all of us have something that we can take a next step today. If you've got a prayer request, write that down. In a second, we're gonna take our offering. As we do, please take these connection cards, drop them in the offering basket as they are passed, as long with your, uh, your tithes and your gifts. And let me pray for you, uh, and then we will finish up with some great worship. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your kindness and your love and your goodness in giving us your word, that you spoke to us in, in a language that we get. And your word is powerful. So help us, Lord, not to misuse it, to wound others, but instead to accurately apply it, that it would do that internal heart surgery on ourselves, that it would defend us from the attacks of uh, wrong thinking and from the enemy himself. But Father, help us be skillful in using your word, but first, Father, help it to be nourished by your word. I pray that blessing for those that are here today. May your word, as they read it this week, become alive in them. Give them courage and us all courage to take steps of faithfulness to you. And in so doing, Father, would you help us to see you and more clearly get to know you more intimately. Father, I pray that for the commitments that we've made today, help us to keep those, not as a source of legalism, but Father, as a way, as an expression of steps toward you. We want to meet with you. We want to grow closer to you, so help us to do that. Father, we pray for our tithes and our offerings. I ask that you would bless them and use them to build your kingdom in us, Lord, and through this church to be a blessing to this community, a light for your gospel. Lord, we lift all this to you so that you will receive glory, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.